Welcome to the Fabricator's Coach podcast, where we believe that every fabricator deserves to have a business that not only makes the money, but also gives them time to enjoy it. In each episode, our goal is to share real information that you can take action on and use today, information that, if you will use it, can help you reduce the chaos in your business, help you make more money, and help you get your life back. I want to welcome everybody. Thank you for spending some, some time with us here on, on Friday before a holiday weekend. I uh, appreciate you taking time out to do that. As those of you who uh, have attended these before kind of know what you're in for, this is a discussion of our most recent article in Slippy Rock Gazette. And as, as uh, I always like to say, this is really more of a discussion than a presentation. I think it's important as, uh, as we talk about business topics like this, that we have more of a discussion and everybody gets involved and we learn from each other. Uh, I don't have all the answers, even though sometimes I like to think I do. Uh, I know that I don't. And um, I figure if I'm the smartest guy in the room, we're already in trouble. I know, also know from experience, you guys have got a lot of good experience. You've got a lot of good ideas and, and things to share. You've got a lot of good questions. And I think those are really helpful to, to share with each other in a, in a forum like this. So, don't plan on me having a full 60 minutes of presentation because that's not what this is about. This is more about discussion. So a lot of folks will ask, you know, why do you do these webinars? Why do you do the articles? And the bottom line is I think it's important for owners to have a business that not only makes you money, but also gives you time to enjoy it. And I do these articles and these webinars to to help you stop being your most expensive employer, or maybe your lowest paid employee, hardest working employee, by getting you from moving to working on your business and not just working in your business all the time. As I mentioned earlier, we do convert these webinars into podcasts, so you can go back and listen to them. In case you're worried about it, sometimes somebody will share something that's a little bit confidential. Uh, my wife does a great job of going through and editing those things out so we don't disclose anything that uh, may, may get somebody in trouble. I, I have had some folks uh, gripe about their boss a little bit, and they said, uh, that's not going to be on the on the podcast, is it? <laughs> so we want to make sure we, we cover things like that. But I think it's important that uh, you get a chance to go back and listen to these again and, and get a feel for what was covered, just in case you want to revisit some of the topics. The structure of this as well is that um, we've got about an hour schedule for this. But I also leave these webinars open for another half hour afterwards. Sometimes we don't get to everybody's questions. Somebody sometimes will be a little reluctant to ask a question. So I'll hang out for another 30 minutes or so after this in case somebody wants to talk about anything in particular. So uh, that's, that's also on the agenda as well. Our uh, article this month is called Case Studies and Throughput. Uh, came out uh, first of this month in Sleepy Rock Gazette. If you haven't read it yet, you can go to slipperockgazette.net and select, um, I think you can still get current issue. We're getting toward the end of the month. If you don't, if it doesn't show up in current issue, you can hit archives and, and go to May of this year and you can pick up the article there, plus previous articles from anybody you want to read. They go back multiple years. Um, and if you can't find it there, another quick and easy way is go hit my website, uh, fabricatorscoach.com, select blog, and there's this article and many others, plus links to the podcasts. So you get the podcast on all your major podcast platforms, plus you can get it on our website too, whatever is easiest for you. So before we dive into this, let me ask the question. Um, I, I was talking to a few of you before we got started, so I kind of know some of your answers, but I'm curious, 
I like to do kind of an informal survey because as I work with fabricators, I hear lots of different input. How many of you are starting to see maybe a slowdown in sales volume, a slowdown in quote volume uh, versus uh, how many of you are still wide open with no impact from the economy? What, what are you seeing out there? I know, Francisco, you said you were kind of up and down. First quarter was strong, then it got soft. Now it looks like it's picking up again. That's right. Okay. Yeah, so first quarter was really strong, uh, which April took me by surprise, as I mentioned to you. I wasn't expecting it since we had jobs in the books, but for one thing or another, they got pushed out two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, to the point that I'm doing – I did jobs in May that were for April – and now it looks like I'm going to do jobs in June that were for me. So it's just one thing after another. Yep. Understood. Okay. Um, Drew, how's, uh, how's volume, sales volume looking for you guys? Are you starting to see any input impact in Charlotte, North Carolina, or are things still wide open? They're still wide open around here. The housing market is still wide open. Builders, designers. Um, we haven't seen a slowdown and also it's that time of year where our sales trend shows that does pick up this time of year anyways, but, uh, showroom traffic quoting everything so far has just been consistent for the last year and a half uh, okay. and talking to builders, they're seeing the same thing. Um, they're a couple of our best builders. They're booked throughout 2024 already. You know, they're just slammed. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So they're, well, it's still open right here, but we're kind of a unique market where we're at. Well, you're in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a fast-growing city. I'm in South Carolina, and, and North Carolina and South Carolina are like number three, number four in terms of fastest-growing states in the country. So it's it's it stands to reason that if you're in any of those four states, depending on where you are in those states, um, you're going to see uh, still pretty strong demand for your products. Yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, let's see. Susan, what are you guys seeing? Still holding strong. Uh, we're ahead of where we were this time last year. We're ahead and accepted quotes. Um, it's been a, a pretty strong uh, first five months. Um, maybe a slight slowdown in quote volume, um, but so far we're, we're still hanging tough. Um, shop is overrun with work right now. We have more work than we can get done. So. Um, for the moment, we're good. Um, forecast for the next couple of months is is still pretty strong too. Well, you're in you're you're another one that's in North Carolina, so you're seeing a lot of that impact too. It sounds like. Yes, we're in the northwest corner of North Carolina, but we also do a lot of work in Virginia. Um, ah, okay. That's uh, pretty country up that way. Yes, it is. Thank you, uh, Mitch. I'm trying to remember which state are you in, Mitch. And we're in Eastern Washington. All right. That's right. What are you guys seeing in terms of uh, volume? You starting to see any impact from the economy or not? We're up 30% year over year for the first half of the year. Holy smokes. So we had a really weird first quarter last year. We were pretty soft, but this year it's been pretty crazy. So and we just finished a move. So that was fun. We built a new building and just got moved last month. <laughs> All right. And uh, we had about a 25% dip in volume on the month uh, with the move in there. So it's, it's been it's been a little crazy for us. But we're seeing a really healthy market. Our builders are telling us they're going to stay really healthy all through 2024. So things for us are looking good. 
Good to hear. Thank you. Um, Shay, Shay Amali, what are you guys seeing? Uh, the first quarter was definitely a little soft for us, uh, strong commercially, but our residential um, businesses is definitely soft compared to the last few years, more in line with 2019. Okay. All right. You guys got some plans to uh, counteract that? Or we're sitting in front of the computer working on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hopefully we can share a few ideas with you. We're going to talk next month about uh, sales forecast and leading indicators as well. So that may be of interest to you. In fact, that article is already out. The uh, I got my hard copy of Slippery Rock Gazette, I think yesterday or day before. So if you get the hard copy, you've already got it. If not, you'll be able to get it electronically first of the month. Um, Jim, I know we've been working together and your your business was uh, has been kind of like um, Francisco's in a way. It's been been kind of off and on a little bit the last several months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I pretty much sound like I'm riding along with Francisco. Okay. All right. Um, slamming, slamming beginning of the year. And that was all just carryover from last year. Jobs were already booked. Um, and then, yeah, by the time April... I had heard of other shops slowing down, you know, January, February, March. I had guys coming by my shop looking for work and we were still cranking along. So I thought I was just going to dodge this whole slowdown. And then April came along and, um, you know, kind of out of nowhere, out of nowhere, I found myself, uh, um, you know, we had a couple of weeks in there where we were just dead, um, which was a shock compared to where we've been for the last couple of years. Um, so I think, um, I think, uh, I think people still have money. I think there's still plenty of money out there. I think people were just, um, kind of on pause with, you know, interest rates going crazy, inflation going crazy. And I think, uh, people were just pulling back on spending and, and now we're seeing, I think people adjusting, um, you know, to the kind of the new norm with the cost of things and, you know, things are starting to open up a little bit, but it's not, it's not how it was. Now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bidding against multiple people on every job. You know, people are questioning the price. Um, whereas past couple of years, I mean, where I was charging whatever I wanted. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a time of adjustment, that's for sure. Yep. Yeah, I think everybody's uh, to some degree or another happy, having to adjust. If it's not with uh, quote volume and order volume and business levels, it's with uh, supply chain or it's trying to find good people. So, yeah, lot, lots of challenges the last few years. And I don't think we're done with it yet. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing some work with Jim currently and Francisco. I've done some work with you in the past. So I kind of know where you guys are with this next question. We're going to talk about some case studies and throughput and walk through a couple of specific examples here in a minute, but I'm curious, are any, is anybody else using throughput and operating expense metrics in your business? And I'm not going to call on everybody. I know Jim and Francisco where you guys are, but is anybody else that, that wants to just unmute or just speak up and let us know that, that you're using throughput and operating expense metrics in your business these days? Johnson Brand All right. How long have you been doing that? Um, well, I've only been here about two years, but I think they started it probably in 2015. Okay. All right. Great. Anybody else? 
All right, good. It's always good to, to find folks that are using that. I've, I've run manufacturing plants in various industries over the years, and and the whole idea of getting a, a, a profit and loss statement the first or second week of the month to tell me how well I did or didn't do the previous month has always been a challenge. Um, for those of you that are not used to throughput and operating expense, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about how to define it. If you've got questions about that, stay later in the in the after the hour. We'll talk a little bit, or you can call me directly. But essentially, throughput is the cash that each order generates for your business, and it's not the sales price of the business, uh, sales price of the order. It's sales price of the order minus the materials, you know, the slab, the sinks, the faucets. Uh, that you use to produce that order. If you've got contract installers or a heavy sales commission structure, then we need to talk individually about how to handle that. But essentially think of throughput dollars as sales minus the materials that you put into the order, into the countertop. And operating expense, you take your P&L, pull those, those uh, slab sinks and faucets out and all the other expenses you have is the cash that you burn. You take about a, a year's worth of those monthly P&Ls and figure out what your average operating expense looks like. And so we talk about throughput. It's the cash each order generates and operating expenses, the cash that your business burns. And we like to look at that on a daily basis because I think it has a lot of value. And that's part of what we'll cover in these case studies. Now, I've got uh, two different case studies that are covered in the article, and I want to walk through them here as well. When I do that, if you've got questions about some of the details or something's not clear, interrupt me. Just go ahead and unmute and speak up, and I'll be glad to, to answer any, any additional questions. Um, the first scenario we've got is I called a client up and asked them how things were going, and they said, well, we need to, we've need we been trying to figure out who we need to lay off first. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know, business is just, it feels like it's slow, man. We just, we don't have as many Phone calls, the phone isn't ringing as much. We don't have, you know, showroom traffic doesn't seem to be as, as strong as it has been. And we checked their numbers and quote level, sure enough, was down. So their intuition was right. Their intuition was telling them, hey, there's a problem. Something's changed. You know, what do you, you know, you need to, you need to react to this. And so what we did was we had been working together a little bit. This was about the middle of the month. I said, all right, I understand what you're saying. Before we make a decision on who to lay off first, let's see where you really are. And what we did is they were starting to track their throughput dollars on a daily basis. And I'll show you a way to do that in a few minutes. And we, I asked them, I said, so how much in throughput have you generated so far this month? They pulled the report up, got the number. I said, all right, so how much in operating expense have you burned each day this month? And I add all that up. And when you total them both up, they were a little bit ahead. They were making a little bit of profit, not as much as they wanted to, but they certainly weren't losing money. So didn't seem to be real cause for making a, an immediate decision. I said, okay, let's look at the rest of the month. I knew they were booked out a couple of weeks. Things weren't super strong, but they had some work booked. And I know their schedule wasn't full the next, next couple of weeks either for the rest of the month. So I said, let's add up the throughput dollars for everything that you've got in stalls booked for for the rest of this month. And let's see what that looks like. So we did that, compared it to the operating expense for the rest of the month. And when you total the month up, they were just a little bit better than break even. So there wasn't any need to make a decision right now. And so we got to talking about, okay, your intuition was right. Phone's not ringing as much, not as many quote requests coming in, but the numbers look okay. 
Why do you think maybe we that's going on? And um, but yet your numbers, your financial numbers still look okay. So we talked about it a little bit, and I already knew the answer to the question. It was trying to get them to to kind of remember what we talked about. They had been making intentional moves to move up market. They were going after larger, more complex jobs and adjusting their pricing accordingly. And so, you know, when you go from a smaller job, a smaller dollar size job, fewer square footage, but you're doing more jobs, your phone's going to ring more. You're going to have more quote requests, more showroom traffic. But when you start going to these larger jobs, obviously, you won't have nearly as many requests uh, as, as many quote requests coming in. And so that's why their intuition was screaming at them saying, hey, things have changed. The reality is they they had intentionally made this change, but they hadn't thought about what's that going to feel like when we were more successful implementing that change. And so this is what they were feeling was this this change in volume. Um, and additionally, we started talking about, so what does next month look like? And I knew, too, that they had been working really hard to, to win a new really large B2B customer. And I mean large, like in grow their business by 30% kind of B2B customer. And they had finally won that relationship and they were going to start getting new volume from that B2B customer the following month. And when that work came on board, anybody they laid off now, they were going to need next month. I think you can kind of see that. So we were able to, to take their intuition, which was telling them, hey, we have a problem sit down and work with the data to understand just how big is the problem and and what's the nature of the problem and what do we need to do about the problem. And as we work through this, we found out really if we had laid anybody off, we'd have hurt ourselves pretty badly for the following month. So I think that was a, a really good example of how we can take the the financial metrics look at what's happening day to day in the business, see where we are month to date, forecast out the rest of the month and confirm or kind of reconfigure what our intuition is telling us and be able to make really good sound business decisions. If this owner hadn't been able to do that, they would have laid somebody off only to be scrambling, trying to get that person back or refill that position in, in two or three weeks. So that's that's the first case study we've got. I know I'll walk through that fairly quickly. Nobody's popped up with any questions. Let me pause a minute and see if anybody has got any feedback, any questions. Have you done anything like this? I got crickets. Did I do that good a job of it? You're talking about laying people people off? Well, I'm talking about using, um, in terms of, of you get intuition about a, a situation in the business, have, um, have you used the data to to help confirm that intuition or to quantify it? Um, and does this explanation that I provided, is that helpful? Okay. Well, I'm going to assume that I did a good job of explaining it, either that or a bum fuzzle the heck out of everybody. Um, And we'll go on to the next case study. So the next one was was a smaller shop. And I say smaller, it was about a million to a million and a half in sales. Um, Not unusual in this industry. 
And what we were trying to do, they wanted this, um, the shop was about half full and they were trying to get more work was the biggest challenge that they had. And they were really struggling to get more work because they had a local competitor who was pretty good size. I mean, big enough, they were bringing in quarts by the container load and had tons of inventory. We're buying it at a real good price, much better than this smaller shop could. They were really struggling to compete on price. Um, and they were trying to figure out how can we fill the shop? You know, some of you have talked about, you know, sales being up and down. Well, how do, what do you do when sales are down? How do you, how do you account for that? Here's one example of how we used these metrics to help figure that out. One of the things that I, that I do with clients a lot is I'll take, you know, because folks are always asking me, how do, we, how do we price our jobs? So one of the things I do is I take a sample of about five jobs in each market segment, and we calculate the throughput dollars as a percent of sales price. We'll take the sales price, subtract out the slabs that were used, the sinks, faucets, that kind of stuff come up with the throughput dollars each order generates and look at that throughput as a percent of the sales dollar. And typically when we look at walk-in retail, we'll see the highest throughput as a percent of sales. And that's that's pretty normal. Uh, when you go to your, your home builder uh, clients, those B2B relationships, typically they'll be a little bit lower. Uh, when you go to your K and Bs, they may be even lower still. And there are other market segments, you know, big box is gonna be lower and, and you'll see lots of variation. What's interesting is within each of those segments, you'll see variation within each segment. So if you pulled the walk-in retail, those five jobs you're looking at, while your throughput as a percent of sales, you know, might be on average higher than the rest of them, even within those five, you'll see a fair amount of variation. That's important to understand that as well. So we did that analysis with this with this shop and saw the typical things we expected to see that you know, retail was higher than his home builder work, and that was higher than his K&B. And we talked about where their competitive edges were and how they could get more business. And it was just a real struggle to try to figure out where could these folks go get some more business. And I knew he had kind of a kind of a, a segment of work he was kind of holding back a little bit. And I said, okay, you got anything else we can look at? And he kind of, he got a little sheepish. He said, yeah. He said, but man, I hate to see these numbers because I know they're going to be so bad. He had some production builder work. He had gotten it. He had taken it just to have something in the shop. And when you've got shop capacity that's not full and you need to generate more sales, any, any throughput from a job is good throughput. Some of it's better than others. And we'll talk about how to quantify that in this example, how some throughput's better than others. But he didn't make a bad decision. He brought in work. He needed to help fill the shop. It wasn't full yet, but it did generate some throughput for him, which was good. And as expected, when we looked at this production build of work, it was the worst segment overall of all the stuff we'd looked at. And that's that's not unusual for production builder type work. So we got to, he said, you know what's so bad about this? He said, I'm man, they they beat me like a dog to, to get this price down. And I gave in and took it because I had to have something. He said, well, you know what's so bad about it? He says, I know where I'm going to get more of this work, but I don't want to go get it because it's so bad. I said, well, it may be. Let's let's take, think about it a minute. And for those of you who are, are in smaller shops or who have been in smaller shops, um, you know that that when you look at, all right, so how many square feet can we do in a day? Sometimes a better question is, is how many square feet or how many kitchens can we do in a week? Because a lot of times some of your shop crew is part of your install crew. So it's not how much can you fab in a day and how much can you install in a day it, because you're you're using a big chunk of, of both your crews to do that. It's more how many can you do in a week? So 
I asked the guy, I said, okay, look at this production builder work, which was, it's simple stuff. It's all rectangles and L's, no mitered edges, no full height splashes, nothing fancy, just straight, simple work. And I said, all right, if all you had to do for a full week was this kind of work, and I just I just pointed to one of the jobs, one of the five jobs we looked at within this production builder set, and I said, this is a, a typical job of that, in that group, right? He said, yeah, they're all pretty much the same. I said, okay. So if all you did in a week was this work, this kind of work, how many of these jobs could you fabricate and install in a week? And he thought a minute and he told me, and I think it was something like eight jobs or maybe nine. And I said, okay, let's add up the throughput dollars from those jobs. We did the math. And I said, all right, now let's compare that to what your operating expense looks like for a week, not for a day, but for the whole week. And when we did the math, he was actually making some money on this production builder work. He thought he was losing his rear end financially, but actually he was making some money. Uh, so it wasn't that bad. And what was interesting is we did another exercise. We said, okay, so the good news is this production builder work is making some money for you. He said, yeah. And I said, the even better news is you know where to go get more of it and you need to fill the shop. He said, yeah. I said, okay. So now you kind of know you know, where you need to be price-wise, and you know that this isn't killing you, it's worth going after. He said, absolutely. So I said, all right, let's just for, for just for, for fun, let's go look at your walk-in retail work. And his walk-in retail was more custom type work as, as a lot of retail is for a lot of markets. You know, he was doing some mitered edges and some, some mitered waterfall legs on islands and that kind of stuff. Not super high-end, but it was the bigger dollar value jobs and more complex jobs. I said, all right, let's take, and I, I just picked one of the jobs out of those five in retail that we had analyzed. And I said, when you look at this job, same question, how many of these can you get done in a week? And so he thought about it, and his obviously was a lot less than the production builder work. It's a little more complex, takes a little more fab time, a little tougher install. And I said, well, let's look at the throughput for that job and multiply it by that number of jobs, and let's compare that to your operating expense. And the interesting thing is, because the volume was so much lower, even though the throughput as a percent of sales was higher, on a weekly basis, the production builder work wasn't that much worse. Wasn't you know we expected that to be a whole lot worse than retail work. The reality is, it wasn't that much worse. So when you the the throughput as a percent of sales is important, and his intuition was a good indicator of, yeah, I'm getting beaten up on these prices. But when you sit down and look at how many of these jobs you can do in a time period, whether it's kitchens per day or kitchens per week, depending on the size of your, of your operation, you know, Susan and, and Drew, you're a much larger operation. So you look at kitchens per day or square feet per day in this type of analysis. But the smaller shops would look at the same metric, but on a weekly basis, you look at how much throughput that work generates for you over a specific amount of time compared to the operating expense you're burning for that same amount of time. That's a really good comparison between the different market segments as to how well they do or don't work for you. And I think the one of the lessons learned is, is that if you've got a shop that's not full, then any work that brings in throughput dollars for you is good work. And obviously the 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 rate at which it brings it in for you, throughput dollars per day or per week, helps you measure whether some of that throughput's better than others. But at the end of the day, if you've got capacity, you need to fill it, you need all the throughput you can get. So I think, you know, the thing I like to say is that intuition can be a good indicator. 
it certainly can tell you that things are changing, but intuition doesn't always support good business decisions. In both cases, if those owners had gone with just their intuition, they'd have made some pretty costly business decisions. The first one doing the layoff that they really didn't need to do. And the second one uh, staying away from and not going after more business that actually worked out pretty well for them. So to make really good business decisions, you really need data. And that's that's one of the key points that I wanted to, to get across in this article was when you put the put this data together, it gives you a really good idea of what's going on in your business. And I think it's it's helpful in making good business decisions. Any questions on either one of the case studies? I'm going to play the Jeopardy theme song as I wait. <laughs> no questions? Nope. No questions, but you definitely got my gears turning now. So okay, what do you what are you thinking, Francisco? Where are the, where are the, how which direction are they turning? Uh, so now, as you know, you've helped me a lot. Um, kind of break down a lot of the segments, and I just came to a realization that I can break down things a little bit further, and uh, through the conversation and and everything that you're having right now, the discussion. I'm realizing that I can still break things down a little bit further um, in terms of of material. And now that I know my actual market share for all of my different markets, it'll be a lot more helpful to, to see which way I should uh, propel to. Okay, great. That's the whole idea is to, is to get you to think a little bit and hopefully get you thinking about some different ways of looking at your business that can help you make good decisions. So I'm glad, glad to hear you say that. Appreciate that. Any other, any other thoughts or comments? I don't run the shop and I'm fairly new to this business. So I don't have intuition. Uh, so I'm the data puller. Um, that's, uh, although um, technically my title is executive assistant, uh, data is what I do. Um, I've been pulling um, data on all fronts in my time here, and um, it, data is the key to, to making good decisions. Um, like I said, luckily, I don't, need, I don't have any intuition, so I have to rely on data. Okay. Well, good. Good to hear. Um, one of the challenges in, um, you know, when you look at this industry, there are about, depending on who you ask, somewhere between eight and 12,000 fabricators in the U.S. That's a lot of folks, a lot of companies. Uh, the average size fabricator, best I can determine, is somewhere in that $3 million a year to $4 million a year in sales. So that means that there are a whole lot of fabricators out there that are less than 3 or $4 million a year. And and even when you're at five, six, seven, eight million dollars a year, typically how many did you say that was? Say again, Jim. How many did you say that was? That total fabricators in the US is between eight thousand and twelve thousand, depending on who you ask. And you said how many were three to four million a year? Well, the average size is about three to four million a year. So that means if the if you think if there's ten thousand fabricators, that means there's five thousand less than that. Right, hmm. by definition. Hmm. So I'd, I'd call that a whole lot of them, would you? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. 
And so my point is, is that, and this is not unique to this industry. When you're a business that's that size, it's really tough to track a lot of data. Uh, you know, when you're a larger business, you're 8, 10, 15, 20 million and up, uh, it's easy to have people on staff, you know, like Susan was talking about, that, that can focus on data. One of the challenges is if you're going to track data, you know, what do you track? And having run businesses, having owned a business, having run a fab shop and having been a plant manager in, in several different industries, I can tell you that this regular tracking of throughput and operating expense is really, really, really very helpful. Um, here, let me give you a, a quick example of, of how this can be used on a daily basis. Some of you already know this because I've talked with you one-on-one -on -one about it. But if you look at this, here's, uh, here's some data from a fabricator, and I've changed a few of the names to protect the, the innocent, but um, here's March the 1st, uh, three jobs. You can, you can look at these and see the invoice, you know, the sales price of the job, material cost, sink cost. This totally variable cost is just adding up the materials in the sink. Um, and then you can see the throughput dollars for each job, and you can see that for this date, they scheduled almost $8,900 in throughput and their operating expense per day is 8,000. So for that day, they made a profit of almost $900. Traditional profit and loss, cost of goods sold, gross margin, product costing, those kind of gap accounting metrics have never in any business I've been ever been able to tell me on a daily basis what my profit was. Uh, it just, it just does, something that just doesn't happen. So that's an example of how you can track. This is what we, we actually did on March the 1st. Now, what's interesting is, is when you go and say, all right, what happened the next day? Well, same data for March the 1st. Here on March the 2nd, we had an ice storm. We didn't get any installs done. So obviously, zero throughput for the day. But guess what? Our operating expense continues to burn. So now, instead of being $900 ahead, we're about $7,000 behind for the month. This is that syndrome is kind of like the, the hotel room that was empty last night. I can't go back and, and rent it. You know, that, that's, that time has passed, so to speak. So this kind of shows you what that impact is. Now we've got to find a way to catch up through the rest of the month. And let me ask you, those of you who don't do this, is watching this information, seeing it one day to the next, is that helpful to get immediate feedback today for how you did yesterday? Yes, <laughs> very. Yeah, that's thousand percent. Yeah, that's that's what I see whenever I run shops. If I can get this kind of data, it really makes a big difference. And what I find out with shop owners is when they start tracking this data every day, it really opens their eyes to the decisions that they make day to day, how they execute day to day, how they plan and schedule for next week how much of an impact that has in dollars and cents on their profitability. Here's the same data, but more of it. Uh, this is the first, second, third. Here's the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. You can tell on the third, we scheduled 10,000 in throughput. And so now instead of being 7,000 behind, we're about 4,600 behind. Um, on the sixth, we scheduled 8,600 in throughput, getting a little bit better. I'll start to get caught up some more. A little over 9,000 in throughput on the 7th. It's looking even better. And we did, you know, 12,500 in throughput on the 8th. We're starting to show some profit for the month, right? So now day to day, we see how we're climbing the hill, how we're making profit, how we're not. But 
this is a this is a fabricator who was just starting to to track this, and they hadn't really grasped the concept that scheduling determines what your potential is for making profit for next Thursday. And so they hadn't been looking ahead. And here, for some strange reason, look at the ninth, look at the tenth. We didn't schedule nearly nearly enough throughput. And maybe this is due somewhat to scheduling. Maybe this is we scheduled it, but you know we we broke the the part of the top that had the sink cut out. We had to make another one. So because that job wasn't complete on the ninth, we had to score zero throughput for that one. It was going to take us two or three days to go back and get that piece put back in, complete the kitchen. We can score the throughput that day. But you can see if you're sitting here on the first of the month looking ahead at the ninth and 10th saying, wait a minute, did we only schedule $2,000 in throughput for each of those days? We're burning cash at the rate of $8,000 a day. How do we fix that? We're not going to be able to adjust the cash burn rate a whole lot. I've had that discussion with several of you. You can only take that down so much. The opportunity here is obviously how can we increase the throughput each of those days so we're making more money or have at least the opportunity to make money on those days, whereas right now the way it's scheduled, if we're looking in the future, we know there's no way to, you know, we're, we're already shooting ourselves in the foot. By the 10th of the month, we're going to be $10,000 in a hole. Does this type of is this type of view helpful? Is this the kind of thing that would help you run your business better and help you understand how you are making money, how you're not making money? It'll help me sleep better at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh it it's definitely one thing to see this and understand it. It's another thing to know what to do about it, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah. I mean, you know, I you know, I can plan out my week and same thing. I do most of the scheduling here, so I can plan the week out, track this out, and look and make sure we're making money for the week and we're set up right. And not only by the week, but by the month, and kind of plan plan what I'm going to do. Not again, wait till I get my P and L at the end of the month to see what I've done. Yep. But if you're sitting here, if today was March first and you had this data in front of you, and you're looking at the ninth and tenth, it would prompt you to go look at what's going on those days. If this is what you planned for the ninth and the 10th, and you were looking at it a week ahead of time, it would give you some time to at least go look at that and see if you can make it better, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And that's that's the whole deal. That's a real big, I think that's a real good indicator of what it looks like to work on your business than to always work in your business. If you're always working in your business, you're trying to figure out what happened and why and who shot who and who you need to shoot next in some cases. Um, but if you're able to sit down and look ahead and plan and be proactive about what's going on in your business, look at, you know, sitting here on the first, looking at the ninth and 10th and say, wait a minute, I've got some opportunity to do better. What, what jobs do we have? We can pull in. What can we adjust? How can we make those days better? And now you're starting to drive your business. And that's, that's why I put this information out there is to, to get folks thinking about, okay, so how can I do that in my business? Because to me, the more you can do that, the better you're able to work on your business, the better you're able to get your business making money for you. And as you start addressing whatever issues are causing days like the 9th and 10th, either to be planned or they were planned better and the execution was poor because now we're looking back at the 9th and 10th. Whatever situation you're in, as you start to understand that, it drives you towards solving problems. And as you solve those problems, address those root causes, 
and really do a good job of, of resolving the root causes so the problem stays fixed, which is a key, then your business, the noise in your business starts to settle down. The chaos starts to settle down. And that's that's why this day-to-day tracking, I think, is, is so important. Well, you guys haven't asked me nearly enough questions. So either I've done an awesome job or a terrible job, or maybe it's just Friday before Memorial Day weekend. I'm not sure which. <laughs> but I think it's important as, as shop owners and as managers to understand that your business is running exactly the way you've designed it to run. Uh, that's that's true in every case. And I've, I've been been in that scenario as well. And so if you're not happy with how it's running, um, hit, hit the website, press the button for a free customized assessment. You can pick your own schedule for the call and We'll talk and I'll offer, see if I can offer some suggestions for you. Some of the folks on this call I've talked to and and just offered suggestions. You've been able to take those and run with them and make them work. And uh, that's that's really all the interaction we've needed. Others of you, we're working on a regular basis because we need to dive a little deeper and, and get into the how-to a little bit more. And, and that's fine too. Uh, so I hope this has been helpful for you. I appreciate, again, you spending time on your Friday, especially before a holiday weekend. Next article for next month will is titled, What Will Your Sales Be in September? We're going to talk about leading indicators and sales forecasts. And that's something I'm working on with, with, with several clients these days that are really, really struggling with their sales and really struggling dealing with some of these economic challenges that are hitting them. Even in some states that are growing pretty fast, they're struggling. And so doing things like looking at leading indicators, building sales forecasts, and driving the business even further out than the slide we showed just before we're just looking a week or two out those are other things that are helping them work on their business and grow their business so want to thank all of you for your time appreciate you being here appreciate your input and as i had uh, mentioned before we'll we'll keep this webinar open for another 30 minutes or so in case folks have got questions uh, maybe have something specific they wanted to get into that's uh that uh, we didn't cover and uh, be happy to do that as well and for the rest of you i know you got things to do Hope you all have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fabricators Coach Podcast. If you've got any additional questions about this particular episode or anything else, please check us out at fabricatorscoach.com. Thanks. Have a great day.